Hello and welcome to I Talk to Ghosts, the podcast that stays spooky all year long. I'm your haunted host, Jennifer, a professional medium and a teller of ghost stories. This week's episode will be a little different, dear listener. I'm currently attending the Port Gamble Ghost Conference this weekend in, you guessed it, Port Gamble, Washington. I have a vendor booth at this year's conference and will also be offering a live show as well in a haunted theater. So this episode will be a callback to the spookiest stories I have found for you yet this year. Enjoy the chills and I will be back next week with the podcast's regular format. In the meantime, the ghosts will keep you company. Enjoy. I grew up in a rural part of Ohio. My house had fairly dense woods located directly behind it. As a child, I had a passion for exploring. I especially loved exploring those woods. It was my favorite place to be. I had wandered through those woods many times, always with my mother's permission. There was one tree in particular that I frequently enjoyed climbing usually about the halfway mark so I could perch myself on one of the heavier branches and just relax as I listened to the peaceful sounds of nature. From that position, I could partially see the back of my house. On that day, after a fair amount of exploring, I carefully scaled my favorite tree. I seated myself on a sturdy branch and took in the view. Being late October, the sun inevitably began to set within a few minutes. I always felt a little sadness to see the darkness approaching. The woods were like my own little sanctuary. I could entertain myself out there for hours. When darkness began to fall, however, my mom would stand at the edge of the woods and call my name until I obediently returned home so as not to be stranded out there after dark. After watching the sunset until I could no longer see it, I began my descent down the tree. I was nearly at the bottom when I heard my mother's familiar voice calling my name. I thought nothing of it at first, as this routine had occurred plenty of times before. Then I realized something strange as my feet touched the ground. My mother's voice was coming from behind me, deeper in the woods, rather than towards the house where she always stood when she called me home. My mom had never entered those woods before, at least not with me. At first I was excited, eager to find her and show her all my favorite spots before it grew too dark. That's when I realized something was off. How could she have gone into the woods ahead of me? She continued calling my name, but there was something strange about it. She sounded frantic, then almost angry. Fearing that I was in trouble for reasons currently unknown, I froze in place. As her voice drew closer, I squinted my eyes to see if I could locate her and determine exactly how angry or upset she appeared to be but I didn't see anyone there. 
Suddenly I heard her voice calling my name from the direction of my house, sounding much calmer and normal. Seconds later, her voice came from somewhere within the woods. It wasn't an echo. I wasn't imagining things. I was literally hearing her beckoning me from the edge of our backyard, as well as behind me. My legs turned to jelly. I couldn't comprehend what was going on. The voice I originally believed to be her yelled from close by. Come here, right now. I realized that whoever or whatever was mimicking my mother was drawing nearer. I didn't question which voice was actually my mother's. Terrified of what I would see if I stood there much longer, I turned around and I ran towards the exit of the woods as quickly as my legs could possibly carry me. It was amazing that I didn't trip over something in my haste. Even though my house wasn't far away from where I'd been standing, those woods had never seemed larger to me than they did at that moment. From behind me, my mother's voice continued to call my name, now sounding desperate. Pure panic set in as my actual mother finally came into view. In my frightened state, I absolutely refused to look back. As soon as I was out of the woods and in the backyard next to my mother, the other voice was suddenly gone. Rather than fading away, it seemed to stop the very moment I stepped foot into my backyard. I must have looked as frightened as I felt because my mother asked me what was wrong. I didn't say anything until we were safely inside the house and our doors were locked. I asked my mom if she had entered the woods that day. She told me that of course she hadn't. I hesitantly asked her if she had heard anyone else calling my name and yelling. The answer to that question was also no. Although I was still very much shaken up, I managed to explain everything that happened. My mother said I must have imagined it. That I was spending too much time out there by myself. The incident in those woods has stayed with me to this day. I can still hear that voice as clear as a bell. Whoever or whatever it was calling me sounded exactly like my mother. But I know it wasn't her. The voice also sounded strange in a way I can't fully explain. I didn't go back into the woods until I was older, and even then, I never stayed for very long. We've since moved out of that house, but my mother and I occasionally discuss what happened. She still claims that she never heard or saw anything unusual out there. But what happened in those woods continues to haunt me. My grandmother died about 20 years ago. About two weeks after she passed away, I was hanging out over at my parents' place, and my mom got a phone call. No number, no unknown number, just a blank caller ID. She answered the phone, got quiet, hung up, and went to her room without saying anything. When I finally got her to talk about it, she said it was her mother, 
saying she was trapped and to please come get her because they wouldn't let her leave over and over again. And then the phone disconnected. I asked her about it a few years ago and she denied that it happened for a bit and then admitted that it had happened two more times that year and then stopped. But she didn't want to discuss it anymore. My family had moved to Denver when I was nine. When we arrived in Colorado, we had to live in an apartment for about seven months before we moved into a house that was being built for my family. From the moment we were being shown the apartment, I can remember feeling very uneasy. The woman led us through the space and decided to show me the room that would be mine. I was left there while my parents and the woman went downstairs. I had had a doll with me to play with. I didn't realize I was alone until the door to my room slammed shut. I fled the room and told my parents I was scared. But I was not taken very seriously because I was so young. We moved in and every night I spent in my room, I could see a man. He was so dark, and I could only see the shadow outline of him in an old western cowboy duster coat with a cowboy hat tilted down towards the floor. This happened for a very long time, and my mom and I rearranged my bedroom many times to try to remedy the problem. Nothing worked, and the man was always there. One night, I was completely asleep, and something woke me up. I had been awoken by someone sitting on the side of my small twin bed. I was completely frozen my heart pounding in my ears. The person on the edge of my bed leaned in towards my face and then whispered in my ear. And it went like this and it went like that. I flew out of my bed screaming like I had never screamed before. I found my mother and I told her exactly what happened. Years later, I was talking to my mother about what happened that night. She told me she never wanted to scare me by validating my fears, but she was always uneasy in that apartment as well. She told me that the door to my room would close with such force when I was in there alone that she resorted to putting a cinder block in front of it. She also told me that sometimes 
when we would go out to run errands, she would come home to hundreds of blowflies inside the apartment at the kitchen window trying to get out and there would be a horrible smell. My mom was a clean freak, so she would bleach every surface she could, trying to get rid of the smell. And she said it would go just as fast as it would come. Needless to say, I'm glad that this is the only experience that I had ever had because it had affected me like no one can really imagine unless it happened to them. You can believe it or not, but it is the truth and it will always remain with me. This year, when you're at another boring holiday gathering, make sure to turn to the person next to you and ask, hey, do you know any good ghost stories? And then share the I Talk to Ghosts podcast with them. No more awkward silences trying to figure out what to say, what to talk about. Talk about ghosts. Talk about spirit readings. Share the I Talk to Ghosts podcast. Thank you and happy spooky holidays. During high school, it was common for me and my friends to regularly rotate houses and throw slumber parties. Every few months, we'd kill the whole night talking, laughing, dancing to the radio, and rarely ever actually sleeping. Eventually, just talking and dancing got boring, so to liven up the party, we'd fall into the typical slumber party game of the two-finger corpse lift and or a seance. Every seance bottomed out with someone hilariously falling apart in a laughing fit. The very last slumber party was held at Carrie's, who lived out in a more rural area where there were dense woods at the edge of her backyard and houses were spread apart. She invited my closest friend Pam, myself, and the usual other seven. As luck would have it, I came down with the flu that weekend and couldn't go. When Monday morning rolled around, I got to school expecting to find everyone in a jovial mood, but instead, my friends were not even talking to each other, and barely to me. I suspected there had been a real big blow-up at the party, but was puzzled as to why none of my friends wanted to talk about it. Slowly the friendships healed, but it was never quite the same old group, and I was the only one who didn't know why. Years later, I finally got the story. Apparently, that very last slumber party started off as usual, with the typical joking, laughing, and dancing to the radio. Then, it was decided to have a seance. This time, 
Everyone had to solemnly swear to take an oath and try hard to get something to happen. They went through the usual ritual, darkening the room, lighting candles, and sitting in a circle, touching hands. For an hour and a half, they tried to summon celebrities like Marilyn Monroe, JFK, Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin. Nothing. Then someone thought to provide the appropriate mood music by putting on Jim Morrison. Through an entire song, they tried to summon the troubled spirit of Jim Morrison. When the song ended, without any spirit manifestation, they called it quits. Bored, disappointed, and thirsty, they broke the circle and put on more cheerful music. Pam and a few others went into the kitchen to get sodas while the others remained in the living room. Pam was standing near the back open kitchen door, which looked out into the backyard and towards the woods. There, through the screen door, about 20 yards away, at the very edge of the line of trees, she saw a tall, dark figure standing very still. The figure stood quite close to the back of the garage, where there were some floodlights attached, aimed at the middle of the backyard. At first, she thought it was the silhouette of a black bear standing on its hind legs, but after a few more minutes of study, the figure more resembled the size and shape of an adult human male. Something about the way it just stood there gave Pam the shivers. Just as she was about to call out to Carrie in the next room, the dark shape, as if on cue, suddenly began moving towards the house. As it neared and entered the edge of the floodlights, Pam saw that the figure was wearing what appeared to be an oversized monk's robe that was positively pitch black. Although the face was obscured in the deep recesses of the hood, she sensed its eyes staring in her direction. For some reason, she was particularly disturbed by the hem of the outfit and at first couldn't put her finger on exactly what was wrong. Then, it dawned on her. The monk-like figure wasn't walking at all. It was gliding, and the bottom of the robe was lightly brushing against the very tops of the high grasses in the backyard. In fact, he was floating a foot above the ground. The instant Pam realized the figure was not human, the girls in the living room began screaming hysterically. Instinctively, Pam knew they were looking at the same exact figure out the window from the next room. The dark figure advanced quickly towards the screen door, where she stood frozen in place, too terrified to move. When the figure was about ten feet away, Pam found herself slamming the inside door so hard that the screen on the door popped out and the kitchen wall rattled, knocking several containers off a shelf. 
When Pam regained her senses, she was on the floor of the back bedroom, huddled together with the rest of our shaking, sobbing friends. Carrie's parents rushed around trying to calm everyone down. The nearest neighbors had heard the screaming and called the sheriff's department. The police arrived, and Pam and Carrie, each of whom had been in different rooms when they spotted the thing, gave officers identical descriptions of a black hooded figure floating off the ground and approaching the back kitchen door of the house. Police searched the grounds, but found nothing. When our friend's parents arrived to take them home, the policemen explained that the girls had probably gotten themselves into an over-expectant state during the seance, so that when one mistook an animal in the backyard for the walking dead, her screaming set off the other girls as well. My friends objected and never accepted the policemen's conclusion. It had taken me six years to discover what had happened that night at that last slumber party. Still, despite my friend's obvious discomfort, I really wished I had been there. I'm a corrections officer at a county jail in Northwest Alabama. I work a 12-hour night shift. Most nights are calm and not much happens. Sometimes a single shift can make you feel like you've been there for weeks. Some of those calm nights are not really all that calm. We have two holding cells in the front of the jail used to house inmates that have recently been booked. And we have another room up front we call the pink room, due to the walls and ceiling being painted a hot pink color because a former sheriff thought hot pink was a calming color. It's our drunk tank equipped with a camera for observation. Everyone hates this room. One night, after lights out when everyone was asleep, It was around 2.45 a.m. I heard a loud bang in one of the holding cells, like someone was hitting or kicking the door. This would have been a normal noise if anyone had been inside one of them. But my partner and I had moved everyone out of the two holding cells just a few hours before. I thought it might be the guy we were keeping in the pink room for medical observation, but when I looked over at the monitor for the camera in there, he was sound asleep. I went over to the doors of the holding cells to investigate. I lifted the heavy curtains on the window so I could see into each one, but there was no sign of anything. I figured I was just hearing things since that noise was so commonly heard at all times of the day and night. The place was completely silent until about 3.05 a.m. I started hearing the noise it makes when a door is unlocked from the control room. 
There is a door that leads to the kitchen and the recreation yard. That was the door that sounded like it was unlocked. I radioed my partner, who was in the control room, and asked if she had unlocked this door. She said that she hadn't touched the computer for the last two hours. Again, I thought it was a common noise to be heard. The silence was playing tricks on me. Then I heard it again. Except this time, it sounded like the front door. I looked over at the monitors for the front door and saw nothing. But on the monitor for the pink room, I could see the screen started to get fuzzy, like static. Then, it went completely black for a few seconds. When the camera came back on, the inmate was still sleeping in the same spot. But everything he had in there with him, his cup, shoes, blanket, etc., was scattered across the whole room. I would have heard him moving and throwing things, but it was completely quiet for those few seconds when the camera was black. After that, I decided I didn't want to be alone anymore. I went up to the control room with my partner and started telling her what was going on. She just laughed and said, Must have been Christine. She told me that Christine was an inmate that had died in the old jail next door and that the reason she haunts the new jail is because the buildings are connected. She told me about the numerous things that had happened while she was on shift, including actual sightings of the ghost called Christine. She said that Christine has gray hair down to her shoulders and wears a white nightgown. She also said that Christine can be seen walking down the hallways on the cameras, inside the cells with her hands on the bars looking through them, and sometimes you can see her face from the windows outside. So, at the house I lived in from the time I was about four until I was 15, my bedroom was at the very end of the hallway, but it wasn't always the last room. There was another room past my bedroom that my twin brother and I would occasionally go in to play. It was filled with random stuff but I don't remember anything specific that was inside. Nobody ever explicitly told us not to go into the room, but it always felt like we were sneaking around somewhere we weren't supposed to be when we went inside that room. We would forget about the room for long periods of time and then randomly remember it and then decide to go inside. This happened a lot for the first few years we lived there. We even took one of our best friends inside a few times. One day, when it had been a few months since we had visited the room, I remembered it and suggested we go in and play. 
My brother and I walked to the end of the hall, but the room was gone. It never appeared again, and neither of our parents remember the room. And with that, dear listener, we've reached the end of this special spooky episode of I Talk to Ghosts. I hope you've enjoyed the ghost stories that I shared with you this evening. And make sure to join me again next week for the podcast's regularly scheduled format. In the meantime, wherever you wander off to in this world or the next, just remember, come back and visit with me. Have a lovely evening and good night. If you listen to my podcast, you have to be like me. You love listening to spooky stories. I'm excited to say that Audible is a sponsor of this podcast. Audible storytelling keeps me company no matter what other task I'm doing. And you know what? Listening can also keep my stress at bay because my mind is being drawn into the stories I'm listening to. Sign up and try it now by visiting audibletrial.com ghosts. I'll also have a link for you in my episode description notes that you can click on. Happy spooky reading!